It's good to be home after uh, being up at East last week. Um, missed you all, but I really appreciated Alan Burris stepping in and preaching. He did a great job. I uh, listened to it this past week on our podcast. If you missed it, he talked about the humanity of Jesus and just why that even matters. Like, why does it matter that Jesus was fully God and fully human? And so if you missed that, hop online. You can, you can check that out. Um, I love the way that Alan loves Jesus and loves the church, and I'm so glad that you guys got to experience that a little bit last week. We are continuing our series this morning called Walk Like Jesus, and if you're new with us, we are in week three, so you haven't really missed all that much, but let me kind of catch us up over the last couple of weeks. We've looked at what it means to live and act and walk like Jesus walked. And so our driving verse for this series has been 1 John 2, 6, which says this, whoever says he abides in him, and so in other words, let's just leave that up there, Alex, whoever says that they walk with Jesus, whoever says that they're a follower of Jesus, that their life has been transformed by his grace, that they identify and they say, I am a follower of Jesus. So if you say that you abide in him, then you ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So that's the challenge that we have been issued. As followers of Jesus, we are to walk as Jesus walked. And so being a Christian, if you've ever wondered, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that, that we not only walk with Jesus, but through this life, we walk as Jesus walked. We adopt his heart and his habits, which we talked about in week one. We adopt his heart of humility and obedience to the Father, just as Jesus did. We adopt his habits of prayer and serving others, just as we saw modeled in Jesus. And last week, we took a look at the full humanity of Jesus and why it matters. And as we come into week three, we're going to be asking a question that I think is pretty important. You know, how is Jesus being fully human, able to live the life that he lived? Like, how was he able to do it? If he was fully human in every way, how was Jesus able to live the life he lived? And even last week, we debunked a couple of myths that, you know, Jesus had this God card that he pulled out and used whenever times got difficult or whenever they got uncomfortable, that, that Jesus was somehow this, this, this superhuman being that had a leg up in what we did. No, Jesus was fully human just as we are, and yet he lived a sinless life. He lived this perfect life. So how did he do it? I think it comes down to the six foundational priorities that Jesus built his life upon. And these are six things that we're going to dive into in a little bit more depth over the coming weeks to see how we can walk like Jesus. Here they are. Number one, Jesus was Holy Spirit dependent. Jesus depended upon the Holy Spirit all throughout his life and his ministry. Number two, he was prayerfully guided. Jesus lived a life of fervent prayer. Number three, Jesus practiced obedient living. He was fully obedient to his father's kingdom agenda. Like he, he was constantly trying to realign himself to what his father wanted, not necessarily what he wanted. Number four, Jesus was word-centered. We see scripture just pouring all throughout Jesus' life. Number five, he exalted the father. Jesus always pointed to the Father. When we get to this week in our series, I'm excited. Tim Thompson is actually going to be here preaching that week. Yeah, Tim's not going to be behind the piano. He's going to be behind the pulpit preaching. So you don't want to miss that week talking about um, what does it mean to exalt the Father. And number six, Jesus was relationally intentional. He was intentional about the relationships that he built, but with, with the crowds and the people who just kind of followed for the show 
Um, he was intentional in the relationship and, and where he was leading them, but he was also super intentional with his 12 disciples, the ones who followed him everywhere that, that he went. And so if you want to walk like Jesus, these six practices are foundational to us because they were foundational to him. And the first one that we're going to look at today is that Jesus was Holy Spirit dependent. We're going to study the life of the Holy Spirit through Jesus' life and then see what that means for us today. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 14, the Gospel of John chapter 14. If you're new into church or to Scripture, you're trying to figure out what all of this stuff means, um, whenever you hear somebody say the Gospel of you know, John or Matthew or Mark or Luke, or, those are the, the stories of Jesus' life, the accounts of Jesus' life. And so it's the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament starts with the book of Matthew, with uh, the, the account of Jesus, goes all the way through the book of Revelation about his second coming. And in uh, John chapter 14, Jesus uh, says some pretty incredible things about the Holy Spirit that are relevant to us today. And when it comes to the, the Holy Spirit, I think many of us find this part of the Trinity to be kind of mystical or confusing. Right? Like we think about the year of the Holy Spirit and you're like, eh, you know, maybe you've seen some, some faith traditions that, that talk about the Holy Spirit, you've been a part of it, and you're like, oh man, today's church service is about to get a little weird. Uh, you're, you've only seen like the mystical side of it, and so it's kind of confusing. And we don't really know who the Holy Spirit is or what he does, and so for a lot of Christians, they just kind of ignore the Holy Spirit. Let's just focus on God the Father, God the Son. Those feel a little bit more comfortable. But the Spirit, we, we have a hard time wrapping our, our, our minds around. Several years ago, Francis Chan wrote a, a great little book, if you're interested in more, just information about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. It's a book called Forgotten God. And I think the, the, the title of that book really captures what many Christians have just kind of done with the Holy Spirit. He's just kind of become this forgotten part of the Godhead. But throughout the, the Gospels, we see the Holy Spirit like plays a, a huge role in the life of Jesus. Like Jesus' ministry and his life was saturated with the Holy Spirit. You cannot even get to the very beginning of Jesus' life without coming across the Holy Spirit. Jesus' birth was a work of the Holy Spirit. And the angel told Mary that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. At his baptism, we read that the Holy Spirit came down and remained on Jesus. Immediately after his baptism, we read that, that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit led him out into the, the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer and temptation. At the end of that time, Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see the Spirit all throughout Jesus' life and his ministry. Scripture tells us that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. He was sent out by the Spirit. He preached by the power of the Spirit. He performed miracles by the Spirit. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit was present in every single part of Jesus' life and ministry, being fully human. He was dependent on the Holy Spirit for guidance and for for power. He knew, because he even stated, that, that he could do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. And so for us as followers of Jesus today, learning how to depend on the Holy Spirit is a crucial part to learning how to walk like Jesus. Like if you're here today and, and you're here, maybe some of you are here because someone just drug you here and they made you come with you. If that's you, I'm so glad that you're here and I hope that you do get something out of this this morning. But if you're here this morning and your desire is to, to live and to walk and to be more like Jesus, which I hope that's our desire, Man, learning the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so incredibly important. Baseball season is right around the corner, um, and I'm excited for a couple of reasons. Number one, I like to follow baseball, keep up with it, um, try to get to as many games as I, as I can. But number two, baseball season always means that spring is right around the corner, and I'm so ready for spring. <laughs> Maybe you're there too. I'm ready for green grass. I'm ready for warm weather. All of that. There's a guy named Gar Rhinus. You're not going to find him on any baseball roster, uh, but you may be familiar with his work. Gar says that from the age of seven, he's had this unique ability to mimic the batting stance of any baseball player. You could throw any baseball player in history out to him, and Gar is able to mimic his batting stance. And uh, so he's gained some notoriety on this over the years. He's found himself on talk shows. Uh, He's found himself on late night shows. He has a couple of uh, videos that have gone viral. Uh, Teams even bring him in to do his little batting stance routine in front of the players that he mimics. And it's really funny to watch the reactions because some of them are like, that. it's like looking in a mirror watching this guy mimic my, my batting stance. But if you ask Gar... Um, he'll tell you that he has the least marketable skill in the world. <laughs> and, it's, and it's true. Because here's the thing. Gar can mimic the swing of the best bo- baseball players in the world. But he doesn't have their ability. He doesn't have their ability. He doesn't have their power. And so at the end of the day, Gar goes back to his day job while these baseball players go out and do their thing in front of millions of fans making millions of dollars playing a game. And so he may be able to swing like them, but he doesn't have the power to hit like them. You know, the same is true for us. Like we can go through all of the motions of being a Christian without ever experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do all of this without ever experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit living in us or working through us. You can do all the right things. You can be a good person. Man, you can try really hard to not mess up, to not sin, and completely miss out on the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of grace that the Holy Spirit is to us that Jesus promised. Look at our text with me, John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. It's interesting, the the gospel of John, it's 21 chapters, I believe. It really transitions at chapter nine. The last several chapters, chapters 10 through 21, just kind of talk about the final week 
of Jesus' life leading up to the crucifixion and then his, his resurrection. And so when we come on John chapter 14, we're, we're in like the final days of Jesus here. And so his disciples who have been following around for all of these years, he's, he's just wanting to give them comfort and encouragement because he knows what's going to be coming up over the next um, several hours. And so this is what he says starting in verse 15. He tells them, if you love me, keep my commands. He says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live in you. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, one of the disciples, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show us yourself and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. He says, all this I've spoken to you while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. So in this passage, Jesus introduces us to who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in the lives of those who believe. The first thing that we see is that the Holy Spirit is God's presence in us. You can't read these these 11 verses and and not catch that God wants to dwell in us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. Look again at what he says in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, there's a couple of words here that are that are important in this text. The first one is the word advocate. And this title that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit is, is the, the Greek word paraclete, which means the one who comes alongside. Para, you know, just even in today, whenever you see a word that starts with the word para, it usually means alongside. The paraclete is the one who's going to come alongside of us. It can also be translated as comforter or helper. So Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will come as our paraclete, our comforter, our helper. He is our our encourager. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come. And God's presence is actually in us as as our comforter and our helper and our encourager. There's another word in this verse that I think is, is just as important, and it's the word another. Like Jesus doesn't just say, I'm going to send you the, an advocate. He says, I'm going to send you another advocate. And if you were here back in December, 
Uh, during our Christmas series, we did a, a series called Above All Names, and we looked at the titles uh, given to the Messiah by the prophet Isaiah. And one of them, you remember what it was? Wonderful Counselor. It says he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Jesus was the first counselor, and he says that the Holy Spirit is going to be the next one. And so when he says another counselor, he's saying, I'm the first. There's going to be another one that comes following me. And that word translated another is, is interesting. There are two Greek words for the word another. And uh, one of them talks about a different from the same kind. So it's different, but it's from the same kind. And so that'd be like if you are eating an apple and someone says, hey, do you want another fruit? And you're like, yeah, sure. And they toss you an orange. Like they're different, but they're the same. It's an apple and it's an orange, but they're both fruits. And so it's, it's, they're different, but they are kind of the same in, in some ways. That's one Greek word for the word another, but that's not the word that's used in our text today. The other word describes another of the exact same kind. And so if you're eating an apple and someone says, do you want another apple? You say, yeah, and they throw you another apple. It is another of the exact same kind. Now, why is this important? It's important because Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will be to us what he is to the 12 disciples. It's the exact same. What the Holy Spirit is to us, Jesus is saying that, that, that that's who he is because that's who he was to the 12 disciples. He will be with us. He will be living with us and amongst us. The Holy Spirit will be God's presence to those who believe. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us that our bodies are God's temple. He dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is God's presence in us, but it's also God's power through us. Again, verse 16 says that the Holy Spirit will help us. What does he help us do? He helps us to keep Jesus' commands. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything he taught and help us to obey his teachings. He will help us walk like Jesus, to resist temptation, to proclaim the truth. The Holy Spirit gives us power to do these things because the truth is, we do not have the power to do them on our own. I was reading a book the other night in our, our family devotional time. It's a great little book called Indescribable. 100 devotions about God and science. If you're looking for a Devo for your kids, maybe for your grandkids, uh, girls really, really enjoy this one. We have a couple that we're going through that are so good. Uh, we have this one, and we kind of rotate back and forth between this one, and then there's another one uh, called Love Does, the kids' version of it. Uh, that is fantastic. Just some great stories about uh, living and following Jesus. Um, so just for your parents or grandparents out there, if you're looking for something to help your, your kids in their walk, those are two great resources that we found. But I want to I read just a little bit of what we read this night when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, because I think it, I think it, it applies. This one's by Louis Giglio. He says, ants are tiny little creatures, but they can lift up to 50 times their own weight. Like, man, think about that. That's incredible, isn't it? Tiny little ant 
can lift up to 50 times their own weight. The rhinoceros beetle can lift something that's up to 100 times its weight. That would be like a person lifting something that weighs about nine tons. You lifting something that weighs about nine tons. Or, think of it this way, a polar bear weighs about a half ton, so it would be like lifting 18 polar bears. Anybody up for that challenge later on today? We can go and have a polar bear lifting contest. (laughs) 18 of them. Even more impressive is the dung beetle, which can carry up to 1,141 times its body weight, and you don't even want to think about what the dung beetle is pulling. My girl's got a pretty good laugh out of that. says the webs of the Nephilia orb weaver spider are so strong that people in the South Pacific use them as fishing nets. Man, that's crazy. I hate spiders. I could not imagine coming across one whose webs could be used as like fishing net. That's, that's insane to me. And here's his point. He says, God can pack a lot of power and strength into tiny little packages. In fact, he packs an unbelievable amount of power and strength inside of you. See, when you decide to follow God and become one of his children, he packs his spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of you. Your body actually becomes a home to the spirit of God. It's an incredible gift. I just wanted to share that with us this morning because I think it's such a great reminder. that man, we may look at ourselves and go, I am weak, but man, God is strong in you. We read verses like this. To, to, to obey everything that Jesus commanded. I'm like, on my own, there's no way I can do that because Jesus taught some really strong things. Jesus taught to love others as yourself. And you may think of like the person sitting next to you right now. You may think about your family or your friends and think, oh, well, that's easy. I can, I can love that person as myself. And then Jesus kind of raises the ante a little bit and says, yeah, no, that includes your enemies too. Love your enemies even as yourself. Man, that's where my power ends and I need something greater than myself to do that. He taught us to serve others and to put their needs above our own. That's, that's really easy when it's people I like. But when it's people that maybe I have differences with, it's people that culture says that I should be against, I have a hard time laying down my will and serving them the way that Jesus served me. He taught us to forgive as we've been forgiven. It's hard stuff. The truth is we cannot do these things in our own strength. Like, it's impossible. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit is living and working inside of those who are followers of Jesus we have his strength. And finally, the Holy Spirit is God's promise to us. The Holy Spirit is promised to, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to be his presence dwelling in us, to be God's power flowing through us. The Holy Spirit is also God's mark, his promise in us. In the days before password protection or fingerprint scanners or face detection. People would authenticate their documents with seals. They would, they would, they would drip some hot wax on it, and then they, if they were a person of importance, they would have a, a, a ring that had a unique indentation to them. 
An indentation that if anyone saw it, they would know that this is that person's official stamp on this document, or this is a way of them uh, officially signing for this, saying that this is mine, this belongs to me. And so they would, they would put their stamp, that ring in that hot wax, and then once it dried, that seal would form on the document. And Paul adopts this language when he talks about us, when he talks about who the Holy Spirit is in us. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13. He says, when you believed, you are marked in him with the seal. He's adopting this language to talk about who the Holy Spirit is to us. You are marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is God's mark on you as his daughter. The Holy Spirit is God's mark on you as his son. That wind is amazing. <laughs> I told somebody it's, it's ironic, you know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit today on like the windiest day of the year. Oftentimes people talk about wind to describe the, the work of the Holy Spirit. So every time you hear it beaten against that, just think of like the power of the Holy Spirit in you, like take away for today. The, the Holy Spirit, though, is this mark in you that you are God's child. And as a beloved child, God has promised you a great inheritance. And the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing that promise that God is going to make good on his word. That deposit guaranteeing your inheritance is the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He is God's mark in you that you belong to him. That no matter what you go through in life, no matter how difficult it comes, no matter how lost or lonely you feel at times, the Holy Spirit is God's promise in you that you are his beloved child. So what does this mean for us today? Scripture teaches us that everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus, everyone who has identified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, we have all been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're all filled with the same amount of the Holy Spirit. Again, some faith traditions teach that certain people have more of the Spirit than others, but, but when I look through Scripture, that's not necessarily what I, what I see. I see that we all have the same amount of access to the Holy Spirit. And so being filled with more of the Holy Spirit is not about the Spirit, us possessing more of the Spirit. It's about the Spirit possessing more of us. Does that, does that make sense? Like being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about having more of the Holy Spirit in us. It's about the Holy Spirit having more of us. Being allowed access into more places in our lives. Being allowed access into those nooks and crannies that maybe we want to avoid God taking control of so in other words, being filled with the Holy Spirit is about making more room in our lives for him, letting him have more control over us. And so how do we do that? That's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks, but let me leave you with this. Holy Spirit does a lot of things in our lives, but the twofold purpose of the Holy Spirit is to comfort the conflicted and conflict the comfortable. To comfort the conflicted and to conflict the comfortable. So if you're here today and your heart is hurting, you feel empty and anxious and alone, 
life isn't going the way that you thought that it was going to and you just feel like giving up, Jesus sent you the Holy Spirit to be your advocate, to be your comforter, your encourager, your helper. He sent you his Holy Spirit as a promise guaranteeing that you are God's beloved child. Nothing can take that away. And he comes to your defense when Satan is trying to tear you down and take away your hope. He is with you. And so maybe your next step is just to rest in the Lord, to be still for him, to allow him to remind you who you are in Christ. The Spirit comforts the conflicted. But the Holy Spirit also conflicts the comfortable. And so maybe you're here today and your faith has been on cruise control. <laughs> you're like Gar Rhinus. You can imitate really well walking as Jesus walked. Man, your faith is more about a religion than it is a relationship. You're just kind of going through religious motions that that are just empty. You've been doing all the right things on your own and you've neglected the Holy Spirit's presence and power and promise in your life. So maybe for you today, the Holy Spirit is conflicting you in your comfortableness. He's poking and prodding you into a deeper relationship. He's trying to rub off those, those rough edges that, that we all have we cannot overcome on our own, that we need his power working in us and through us to do. Maybe he's leading you into a deeper love and relationship with the Father who loves you and he sent his son for you. So maybe for you, your next step this week is to be still before the Lord and to open up those places in your life that you've been trying to close. And you said, God, you can come into like my Sunday morning routine and maybe a couple of other places, but everything else, man, those doors are closed. Those are mine. Maybe the Holy Spirit is conflicting you in that comfortability saying, man, I'm leading you into a deeper life and relationship with me. Does he want to comfort you today in your confliction or does he want to conflict you today in your comfort? And hear me when I say this, either way, it's an act of grace. Whichever one God is doing in you right now, it is an act of grace. It's because he loves you. He desires more of you. God is using the Holy Spirit to draw you closer to himself because he loves you. And the truth is he doesn't love you any more or less because of anything that you've done. God doesn't love you any less because of what you've been through or those days where, man, you really nail it and you do all the right things. It's not gonna change how God feels about you. He loves you. He loves you because he created you. He has shown you his love through Jesus and he has marked you with his Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that his love will never fail and never leave you. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray. I want to pray just a little bit differently the, this morning. Um, I want to give just a, a moment for the Holy Spirit to, to maybe work and impress something in, in your heart right now. Maybe you're not really a prayer. This is a little uncomfortable to you. Then my, my encouragement is just to sit or stand here in a few moments of silence. And just say, God, what do you want to speak to my heart? 
and listen. If you're here today and your life feels that confliction, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to comfort you. If you're here and you're pretty comfortable, ask the Holy Spirit what your next step is. My, My hope is that he will speak to you even more than I have over the last 25 minutes. So let's just give a few moments of prayer. Caleb is gonna play. And then I'll close us off. We'll sing a song and we'll be dismissed. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.